Please turn um, your Bible to the lighter of James. The passage this evening is in chapter 4, verses 11 to 17. Before I preach, let, let us go to the Lord for his blessing. Lord, we come to you as your people. May you teach us your truth. May your word go into our mind and touch our hearts. May our life be transformed by your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For my sermon's sake, I will also read verse 10 because it carries out the theme of the sermon. James 4 Verse 10 to 17. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy but who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Who are you? In verse 12, and what is your life? In verse 14, are the two problems James is mainly dealing with in this passage. The reformer John Calvin also readily diagnoses these two common human problems by saying, we are by nature hypocrites, fondly exalting ourselves by calumniating others. There is also another disease innate in human nature, that everyone would have all others to live according to his own will or fancy. Being. However, we are not, as 
as creatures, our existence are contingent. Therefore, our beings have to identify in relationship. Who am I relating to my parents? Who am I relating to my friends? Who am I relating to my husband or wife? Who am I relating to my children? Who am I relating to nature? Who am I relating to to my fellow humans? And who am I relating to my creator? In different relationships, you are supposed to behave accordingly. Otherwise, we will disrupt the order God initially designed. For example, you are not supposed to love your parents the way you love your pet. And you, you are not supposed to love your spouse the way you love your children. However, in this passage, especially in verses 11 to 12, James warns us that once we do not love our brothers and sisters in Christ, as we are supposed to, we are not only sinning against our brothers and sisters, but also sin against God. Let us look at the context of verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another. Scholars have argued that there there were two groups in James' mind when he wrote the letter to the churches. One was the Judaizers rejecting other Gentile Christians as lawless, and the Gentile Christians rejecting Judaizers as legalistic. No matter what, there were some real conflicts that happened in the early churches, not a hypothetical one. And do not in in ESV translation is better understood as stop. James sets up a stop sign for the Christians in the early churches, saying, you are over speeding and there was a sidewalk in front of you. Stop right now. Stop speaking evil against your brothers and sisters as you usually do. We can certainly see it is a command from James. The Greek word which translated as speak evil against in ESV translation also means to slander, to condemn, and to criticize. It is a favorable judgment of someone's character and motives. It is to speak of others behind their backs without giving them a chance to define themselves. It is to intentionally influence others against someone. Brothers and sisters, have you ever judged other believers' character and motives? Have you ever spoke of other be- others behind their backs without giving them a chance to defend themselves? Have you ever tried to influence others against someone? The passage does not only speak to the early churches, but also speaks to us. If we are honest to ourselves and God, we are broken. We, are, we all broke this command at some point, at some level in our lives. Paul Tripp makes it clear. It doesn't take much for us to be irritated with other people. It doesn't take much for us to become impatient. Little interruptions, disagreements, and obstacles can cause us to well up with anger. We are easily dismissive of others. It's too easy for us to be prejudiced and judgmental. 
it's so easy for us to judge others as foolish, lazy, or otherwise ignorant, covetous. The traditional view of the authorship of the letter of James, the half-brother of Jesus. James had lived with Jesus for many years before he ascended to heaven, and he had witnessed how Jesus called people while he did his ministry on earth. If you pay, pay attention to the letter, you will find that there are many things in the letter that are highly identical to Jesus's. Brothers and sisters, what are the two greatest commandments in the New Testament according to Jesus? That we love God and love our neighbor. Jesus has taught us that if we keep one of the two greatest commandments, we also keep the other. Do you remember when the resurrected Jesus revealed himself to his disciples in the last chapter of the Gospel of John? What did he say to Peter? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. In Matthew 25, Jesus told his disciples the last parable of the kingdom of heaven. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the rest of you answered him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Here James points out that if we break one of the two greatest commandments, we also break the other. The rationale for this is laid out in verses 11 and 12. When you speak against or judge a brother or sister, you speak against and judge the law. However, there is only one lawgiver and judge, which is God. Therefore, you are taking the place of God. Brothers and sisters, when we speak against or criticize other believers, there are at least five things that can tell us how we relate to the law and the lawgiver. When we speak against or criticize other believers, first, we set ourselves above the law. Second, we violate the law of love. Third, we exempt ourselves from obeying the law. Fourth, we deny the authority of the law. Fifth, we rebel against God, the lawgiver. That's why James shouts to his readers, Who are you? Who are you to judge your neighbor? Don't you know when you judge your neighbor, judge your brothers and sisters in Christ, you are crossing the boundary between creator and creation. You are, ste you are stealing God's authority. Similarly, Paul in Romans 14, 4 says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Jesus in Matthew 7, 1 to 5 says, Judge not, and you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is, in, that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? 
what fault can you say to your brother? Let me take the speck out of your eye. When there is the log in your own eye, you hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Brothers and sisters, humble ourselves before the Lord. Know who we are in Christ, and seek unity with other Christians. The Bible does not teach us to only love the ones who are lovable, but also the ones that are difficult to get along with. However, the, this passage does not teach us teach that Christians should never judge. Christians should never rebuke someone's severe errors in theology or life. If this is the case, then preachers should never mention sin in the sermon. Counselors should never give their opinions during counseling. Elders should never talk about their members' status, spiritual status. And Christians should never share their life details. This is absolutely not what what James is talking about here. James is talking about when we speak of others, we should be careful about our motivations. Are we trying to bring others down or lift them up? Are we defaming someone or edifying them? Speaking evil in sin is not allowable. But speaking truth in love is permissible, and that is what we, sh- we all should pursue as Christians. The second question James asks in verses 13 to 17 is, "What is your life?" Prior to the question, James tells a story about a businessman in verse 13. He says to his companions, "Today and tomorrow we will go into such and such a town." Spend a year there and trade and make a profit. If you pay attention, there are four verbs in his saying. We will go, we will spend, we will trade, and we will make a profit. It shows that he is very confident about his plans. Brothers and sisters, we do live in a material, abundant area. Nike, Starbucks, Apple, Amazon, Walmart, and Tesla can provide almost everything that we need in our daily life. The materials, the materials that we have, probably more than all the people who lived before 21st century. However, it also creates an illusion that we can do anything we want, the way we want, when we want it. Again, there's nothing wrong about making plans for the future. Yes, the Bible teaches us not to worry about tomorrow, but the Bible also teaches us that it is our responsibility to make plans and wise decisions. Jesus told people about the wise man who built his house upon the rock instead of the sand in Matthew 7, 24 to 26. R.C. Sproul put it this way, Christ told his disciples not to be anxious about tomorrow, but he never said not to consider it. Intelligent problem solving demands careful consideration of the future effects of present solutions. So if the problem is not never make plans, 
then what is the problem? The problem here is James rebukes us to make plans without being submissive to God's will. The problem is that we ignore God's sovereignty and certain things in life that seem totally important. But we are not. We are not self-sufficient. Proverbs 27, 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. James 6, 8, similarly in verse 14, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? When you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. James uses mist as a metaphor to indicate our lives are fleeting and uncertain. I mean, we all live through 2020. Come on. I believe you do not need me to explain what life is uncertain to you. If you still don't know, I won't explain it too much, but it seems that you may have this favorite lesson God wants us to learn through the pandemic. Life is not only uncertain, but also brief. There was an NBA, NBA player, many of my friends liked a lot. His name was Kobe Bryant. He entered in NBA directly from high school, even though he did not get a high pick. From the draft, he had a great talent and had a famous reputation for his work ethic. He played many times in NBA All-Star games, and he won five-time NBA champion, one-time regular season most valuable player, two-times NBA final MVP. He also had a great business career after retiring from the school. His life was very comfortable. The money he earned can let him buy a helicopter and taking his children to school, just avoiding the traffic hours in Los Angeles. But just when the COVID started to spread in the U.S. on January 26, 2020, due to the rain and hard weather, the pilot who, who flew Kobe's helicopter flew too low and eventually hit on a mountain. All the seven people in the helicopter died including Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter. At that time, he was just 31. I don't know if Kobe was saved or not, and certainly I do not want to make a judgment about his safety. I just want to use the story as an example to say life is unexpected and short. If Kobe could not use his fame and money to extend even a second of his life. What can you say to yourself? Even none of us can say for certain that he or she can come back to this sanctuary next Sunday morning. Your existence and my existence are dependent on God's will. No one knows the time of his or her life except, except God. Paul says in Acts 17, 28, In him we live and move and have our being. God did not create the world and left as he is at play. He is upholding, sustaining, and guiding the whole universe. When we are trying to control our lives, 
virtually even more of a reality is that is our struggle and grief. Second, we do not give thanks and glory to God as He created everything and it continues to take care of us. Paul Tripp says it well. Only God has the power to control all the conditions, situations, locations, events, and the people that need to be controlled in order for me to have the things that I need to have in order to live my life. Independency is a delusion. No one is able to get what he needs for his physical existence of his own. No one lives a self-sufficient life. No one can say, look how successfully I have been able to care for me without any outside assistance. No one. It really is true that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. About our future, if we cannot boast about ourselves, what shall we think? What is the correct attitude to talking about our future? James gives us the solution in verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Brothers and sisters, it is our responsibility to plan, but to do so in cooperation with God. The best way to cooperate with God is to pray. Send our requests, send our requests to the Lord and trust that His will is always good. So what are the two common human problems James presents in this passage? The first one is to exalt ourselves above others to replace God. The second is to live a fancy lifestyle according to our own life's own will. In both situations, we rob God's glory and take his throne. On the contrary, James encourages us to humble ourselves before the Lord. Only when we recognize the boundary between the creator and the creation, we will find our identity and the meaning of life, which God initially designed. At this point, if you don't know how to humble yourself before the Lord, then look upon Jesus. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For us, Christ was humiliated. On the cross, when people spoke evil against him, he asked the Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In Gethsemane, in Gethsemane the night before he was betrayed, he submitted his will the Father to regard his will. 
Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. The devil tells us even after he ascended to heaven, he does he does not speak. He does not speak against us, but always makes intercession for us and fortifies us. Brothers and sisters, the ministry of Jesus has changed Galen's life. He was changed from despising his brother before he died on the cross to a point even died for him after the resurrection. We can humble ourselves before the Father is because Jesus did. The gospel has changed James' life, and it certainly has changed ours. Christ lives in us, and we are in Him. One day we will see our Lord face by face. He will turn our short and miserable life into the one which is eternal and glorious. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to you because you are a creator, and you don't have to create us. And because of your love, you gave us um, life so that we may enjoy the world that you created. And teach us to imitate Christ and to uh, truly love our brothers and sisters and to love you, our friend Jesus.